You're listening to Young Honest Mother, the podcast. Here, we'll chat about all things marriage, motherhood, and modern home economics in all honesty. I'm your host, Maris Young. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me on Young Honest Mother, the podcast. No problem. Um, thanks for having me. I've been really excited to actually speak with you on your podcast. So looking forward to it. Yay. Well, I like to start out by asking a simple but sometimes complex question. Who is Marilyn? <laughs> um, that's, that's a good question. You know, I'm still, I guess I'm still trying to figure that out. Um, but for the most part, um, I am, I'm a young mom myself. Um, you know, I had my son when I was 16 and I've just been trying to figure myself out. And I think I've learned a lot about myself with, you know, like motherhood within motherhood as well. Um, just being a young mom too. And, um, I don't know, that's just kind of been like my life. Um, Mm. yeah, I do birth and postpartum work now, I guess, you know, partially because of my birth experience. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it right now. Hmm. Okay. So that, brings up a couple questions for me. Um, so would you mind sharing a little bit about your birth experience and how that inspired you to get into birth work as a doula? Yeah. Um, so I remember when I found out I was pregnant with Anthony, um, I was, when I was with his dad at the time, um, you know, things were, you know, we were, we were teenagers you know, and, um, (laughs) one day I was like, wow, um, I'm pregnant, you know? And it was funny the way that it happened because like him and I used to joke around all the time and like calling each other names and stuff. And it, it was funny. And, um, one day he was like, you know, you look stupid right now. And I started crying. I was like, what? why are you calling me stupid? You know, like what's wrong with you? He's like, what's wrong with you? Like, why are you crying? (laughs) You know? And then that's when I knew like something, like I felt funny and different and I knew like Hmm. maybe I should see if I'm pregnant. And I was. And, um, so I found out around like new year's day after new year's day. Um, so January 1st, I found out that I was pregnant back in 2009 And, um, I like wanted to tell my mom, but I was like so scared and I didn't know like, you know, she was going to get mad or, or what, you know, I knew she was going to get mad definitely because she, you know, she doesn't take those types of news very well. Mm -hmm. Um, but anyway, um, I told her that I was pregnant and she got really upset and, you know, I just didn't really get the kind of support that I needed um, from my mom. And, um, I think that kind of made me feel like really alone and like, you know, like I, like I made a mistake, you know? And, um, 
she really wanted me to have an abortion, but I just felt like I just couldn't, I just couldn't do it. You know, something was telling me like, this is your first seed, you know, like you should, you should make the best of it and try to figure it out. So I followed my intuition and I did that. And, um, I ended up, you know, having him like in a, in Chinatown in LA and like the care there, like a lot of the, the, nurses and doctors they didn't really even speak English so it was kind of like really it just happened really fast I remember they put me on Pitocin like now I know what what you know what was going on but back then I didn't I didn't really want the epidural but they still made me do it um I just felt so alone and like it was just me and and the father of my son um and he wasn't really supportive either you know so there was a point where I got the epidural and like, it wasn't really working and mm-hmm. um, only like one side of my body got really numb, but the other side was still like fine and I can feel everything either way. <laughs> so it was just like, I was crying because I was like physically in pain, but I was also like emotionally in pain, but my labor went pretty fast. I was only like from the hospital. I was only there for maybe 12 hours. And then he was born. Um, when he came out, he was, he was crying, but he didn't open his eyes until I held him. And they like, mm-hmm. when he was born, they, he was born like with his, I just, I remember his hands being really clenched, you know, and, um, so hard to the point where when the doctor was going to cut the umbilical cord, Anthony grabbed the, the little, clamp thingy you know and the doctor was like wow he's really strong I can't open his hand and I I was like kind of like in a daze and I was like yeah and I just remember like when I held him I was like wow you know I was so amazed and I couldn't believe it I was like my body made this little person you know he's Mm -hmm. flesh of my flesh and and I just fell in love like from the moment that I was even pregnant. I just felt like I couldn't, I wasn't able to, you know, like not take care of him. You know, it felt Mm -hmm. like I had to be responsible for him. So, you know, then my, like nobody knew that I had the baby. Um, Everybody, like my family knew that I was pregnant, but um, my mom kind of kicked me out. Like when I told her that I was pregnant. And so I stayed with, um, you know, his dad for a while and, things got complicated because he, he had just turned 18 and I had just turned, I was about to be 17. So, you know, the thing with that, the whole law thing of him being an adult and me still being a minor was like kind of conflicting. So my mom was like really concerned about that, which makes no sense because we were together when we were both, he was a minor, you know? So it was just like, you know, it was crazy. And I just remember, you know, feeling like so alone in my pregnancy and not feeling like supported of just the, just the decision of having him, you know, of being a mom at that age. And, um, a lot of things that I'm still healing from, I think, you know, and I feel like that's part of the reason why, like I got into doula work. Um, but long before, I had Anthony, I was like that kid who always like hung out with, you know, 
my little baby cousins. And I always wanted to be with the babies and take care of the kids. And my older cousins and my aunts would, they would trust me with, with the kids, you know, to watch them as early as nine years old. And, you know, when my sister had her first baby, I was 11, but 11 years old, um, I was there for my niece's birth and it was the first birth I've ever seen. And, you know, when the baby was born, I, I stayed, I spent a lot of time with my older sister. She kind of like raised me and my little, finished raising me and my little sister because my mom was a single mom too. And, um, so my sister was like, she's like my second mom, you know? And, mm-hmm. um, so I learned a lot about like motherhood with my sister. I feel like my sister did a lot of the, you know, um, the mothering differently from the way that we were mothered. Um, a lot more conscious and, um, with a lot more love. And I, I saw that and I just felt like, you know, like I just want love in my life. I wanted to feel loved. And I feel like, you know, maybe that's why I decided to keep Anthony, uh, for selfish reasons as a teenager, maybe to be honest. Um, Mm -hmm. but you know, I don't, I don't ever regret it. I don't ever feel like, oh, you know, I made a mistake. Um, a lot of people did try to make me feel that way. And sometimes I, at one point I kind of did, you know, I did feel like that because I had no support, but there were people that, you know, were willing to help me. And, you know, so that's part of the reason why I do um, birth and postpartum work because, you know, a lot of everybody's different. And there's people that really, I feel like if they were to have gone through what I went through, maybe they wouldn't have been able to, to pull through, you know, like Mm -hmm. not that my situation is like greater or, you know, worse than anybody, but you know, everybody deals with things differently and some people just can't handle certain things, you know, and it's okay to have support. It's okay to reach out and, you know, have somebody like to talk to and guide you and show you and tell you like, Hey, it's okay to feel what you're feeling. It's normal. You know, I felt it too. Mm -hmm. So that's part of why I, um, kind of went into a rabbit hole there, but that's part of the reason why I do, I do this kind of work and I'm looking into helping more teen parents and talk about teen parenting and how different that is from, like having children as an adult already at 26, 27, whatever, you know? Right. It's different, like to have a kid at that age and, or then being a teen parent, like it's, you're raising yourself still too, like even as an adult. So as a teen, like, you know, sometimes you feel lost because you feel like you don't really know who you are. And you're still trying to figure that out, like while being a mom, but being a mom has helped me figure out who I am too. So it kind of like works together, at least in my experience, it has. Yeah. So tell me more about some of the major differences that you've seen um, that you try to help other teen moms work through um, when it, it goes from having a child on the younger side versus waiting until you're a little bit older? Um, well, I mean, there's a lot of similarities, you know, because motherhood, I don't think is defined by age or, 
anything of that nature, I feel like um, what I've seen, you know, as far as like other teen moms that I went to school with, because when I graduated high school, I went to um, like a continuation high school and they had like a teen parent program. And um, it was really awesome, like to have that available at that time in my life. Um, and so I met other teen moms, but they they had kids like now. So like we're what, 20, about to be 27. So they've had like one of my friends, she had her kid, she had her baby um, like two years ago. And she's like, you know, it's so different. We were talking about how different it is to have, you know, like when, when you're a teen and having a kid, like for the first time as a, as a teen, it's different than, you know, when you're 27, 26, having a baby, because, you know, there's things that you've already experienced, like as a 27 year old that are relatable, a lot more relatable to motherhood, um, you know, rather than being a teenager, <laughs> you know, when you're still getting to know yourself and you're still figuring out your likes and your wants and, and the things that, you know, align with you and that, and that don't. So that doesn't, I don't think it changes parenting. Um, it's just a different perspective of life in my experience and what I've kind of heard from other moms too. Um, mm-hmm. So just, I think like the, the parenting part, you know, because having the baby and, you know, breastfeeding and then that whole, that whole thing, um, is still not easy for any first time mom, you know? Definitely. I'm curious about how you were able to navigate, especially early motherhood as you found yourself without much support from your family. What did that look like for you? Um, it looked like, uh, one word just comes to my head and it's warrior. Like Mm -hmm. I had to be a warrior, you know, because I wanted to finish high school and I wanted to, you know, I wanted to make sure that I did things differently than the way that I was raised and the way that my family did things, you know, because it's not like I was the first one in my family to have a, a, a baby so young. You know, I feel like that's something that might have been um, cultural back in the day in 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 my lineage, you know, like mm-hmm. re- arranged marriage and stuff like that at, at a young age. And being a mom was like it's kind of like the norm in my family for women. And so um, after he was born, like I did get like more support from my family because they saw that, wow, you know, she's, she's trying to be responsible, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but even like not, maybe perhaps not as much support as I needed, but at the same time, looking back, like, I'm like, you know, that really made me who I am today. There was a lot of things that I had to go through, like the challenges of going to school, you know, finishing my high school diploma and, knowing that I wasn't going to be able to walk on stage, but at least I was going to graduate high school and have my high school diploma. Like that Mm -hmm. was what was important for me. And, um, also taking night classes at college and trying to start my college credits. So 
you know, I was really busy and I, and I was living with my mom. I had to move back in with my mom and, you know, it was very difficult because she was, she didn't understand, like I'm a first generation here, you know, too. So my mom doesn't really understand like college life and like how it is, you know, because Mm -hmm. we didn't do that. So it was very difficult for her to understand like what I was trying to do. And so she saw it as like me, like just being away from my son all the time. So um, it was really hard to stay focused and keep myself motivated, you know, through transportation, like finding transportation to and from school. And there was times where a lot of the, like the majority of the time, actually, in order for me to get to school, because the school that I was going to, to get my high school diploma, they had like a daycare. Mm-hmm. So they, you can drop your baby off there right in the same facility and then take your classes and then go pick them up after, you know? Mm. Um, so that was like, that was so helpful. If it wasn't for that, I don't think I would have got my high school diploma, but, um, that was like something that I was really proud of myself. Like that I, when I accomplished it, um, was my high school diploma, like, because a lot of my, well, none of my siblings, my older siblings, they, they didn't even graduate from high school. And mm-hmm. I was like the first one to graduate and I was a teen mom. So I felt like really empowered and I felt really good about myself and I felt like I was doing good, but it was a struggle. It was hard to, you know, take time to myself to, to, to do something that I liked, you know, to do something that Marilyn wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, just... So I figured, you know what, I'm going to do that with my son as long as it's safe. And, you know, I'm not doing anything that's inappropriate, of course, you know, mm-hmm. um, I tried to, you know, like if I, I like to hang out at, at parks and the beach and stuff like that when I was living in California, um, you know, so I spent, I spent a lot of time at the parks with him, libraries, and I started, you know, researching and reading parenting books because I didn't want to raise him the same way that I was raised. You know, um, not that I wasn't like, not that I was like ashamed of myself and stuff like that, but I just knew that there was something better. So what motivated you to keep forging ahead, even amidst all of the criticism and the um, the people who just didn't really understand what you were about and why you were going for it? It was him. Like, it was the fact that, you know, like, I have a child and he's depending on me, like, to take care of him, whether that be, you know, in all ways. So I had to make sure that I, for the most part, I just had to give it my all and do my best and make sure that, you know, I was meeting his needs and he was, he was, he's my fuel to this day still, you know, is what keeps me going sometimes. And that was my biggest motivation, like to just be the best mom that I can be. And be different from the way that I was raised. That's what motivated me. Mm-hmm. Just his mom, like, was something that pushed me to be a better me. Because I feel like before I had him, I was so like uh, I had just met my dad for the first time in my life, 
And um, I was like feeling really like a teenager, you know, like I didn't, I just wanted to do what I wanted to do, you know, Mm -hmm. and I wanted to figure out what I liked and what, you know, I didn't really like get to do much. And I never had like sleepovers and stuff like that. So I feel like I didn't really get to be with friends and figure out who I was like with other people and stuff. As you were trying to finish high school, Mm -hmm. trying to be the best mom that you could be for your son, how were you taking care of Marilyn? Yeah, um, a lot of the things that I feel like I've gotten a lot better at it. Like at first it was very difficult because I realized one of the things I did learn about myself was I'm a person of like environment Hmm. and like, it's really, I'm a visual person. So like seeing things that inspire me and make me feel good and remind me of my strength and, um, that motivate me, you know, like Mm -hmm. seeing those things up in my room or, just creating a certain environment for myself, whether if it's even if it's just my room, you know, yeah. or like it's a small space of the house, like just for me to to be me. That that's um, something that I found out about myself that I really like. <laughs> um, it could be the kitchen sometimes, <laughs> um, or the bathtub. You know, taking baths was something that I have I have discovered. You know that it's just so healing. Like water is healing. Um, maybe just sitting there and drinking a glass of water. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was staying with my mom and Anthony was getting close to being one, um, I had a, like a little balcony. So I used to love to sit out in the balcony and just look up at the moon after Anthony was in bed and just give myself that time, you know, to, you know, read something or do something that interests me, educate myself, mm-hmm. um, just do something that's going to better me, whether it's, um, I'm, I discovered poetry as well. Being a, a, a young mom, that was some, that was one of my outlets and it's something I haven't done in a long time, but I think I'm going to get back into it again. Ooh, you should, you should. Yeah. It's very healing. Yeah. I think it's, and we've actually talked about that. I, I'm pretty sure on social media, we've talked about how important mm-hmm. it is to have a space or a room of one's own, mm-hmm. even if just a little corner and putting that space away for yourself and allowing yourself to go there and engage in the things, like you said, that interest you, that inspire you, that motivate you. There's something so powerful about that because in my experience, it has shown me by doing that I am worth taking this time. I am worth having something of my own, you know, and Mm -hmm. especially in motherhood, I think it's really important because oftentimes we do want to give our all. We want to give everything and then some to our kids and you know, there has to be a way to replenish that. There has to be a way to kind of recharge our batteries, you know? And 
having somewhere that we can go, you know, no matter how small, I've just found that to be so healing as well. So I'm glad you shared about that. Yeah, that's, um, that reminds me of something that I read. Um, I can't remember what book it was. Oh, yes. I think it's the um, seven habits of successful, the seven do you remember what you know? A book I'm talking about. I think so. Like um, seven habits of highly effective people, or something people. like that. Yeah. Yes. It's been a while since I read it, but there's something. There's a part in the book when he starts talking about sharing, and he goes into talking about how, um, you know, his daughter. He was giving a. He was telling a story of a situation and experience that he had about how his. He, his daughter had just received like a new Christmas gift, hmm. you know, and she had just opened it and the, Ooh, there's some loud thunder over here. Um, <laughs> and, uh, she just opened the gift and the other kids around her like really liked her gift and she really didn't get a chance to play with it. And the other kids like were t- trying to, you know, play with it too. And all the other parents were like, Hey, you know, you need to share. And, you know, and so he was telling his daughter, like, you know, you got to share the toy and that concept of sharing. And he said that after that, after that day, like he said, he said that he felt the pressure of like the parents staring at him and, you know, making him feel like his daughter had to share because Mm. that's what we're supposed to do, you know? Right. And when he went back home that night, he said he was reflecting and he was thinking like, you know, how is it that we expect our children to share something that they haven't had a chance to contain, to actually hold and experience and like be fulfilled by it. Mm. And, and, and so that they can actually share it. And I feel like that is so relatable to parenting too, because it's like, for me, that's, that's the same thing with like having my space, like mother as moms, they need their space. We need our time to go and not just re replenish, but contain, Mm. you know, like ourselves and really hold, hold that hold ourselves because we're always sharing and giving our time, our, our energy, our, our everything that we give and more. You know, like you said. Yeah, that's powerful. So holding ourselves like, and so we can share ourselves. I took that in that way because that's what came to to mind with that. But I think that's something I wanted to share, you know, Mm -hmm. um, being able for us to, to hold it, whatever it is that, and possess that feeling or possess that, you know, situation for a second to be able to process it right and see it and hold it and and then share it if we have to right whatever it is so tell me tell me a little bit more about you growing up as your son is growing up which is of course always the case no matter your age but what was that like in your experience definitely um <laughs> I think a lot of it like is kind of funny. I find it kind of funny because um you know, I think a lot of people who aren't parents sometimes I think before you even become a parent you think like 
you know, or maybe there was, maybe it's just a fixed idea that we grew up with. I don't know, but there's this common idea, you know, that like parents are the grownups and, you know, the kids, like they know more than the kids because they have more experience, mm-hmm. which, which, you know, a lot of it is true. But I also learned like, and I learned this with being a teen mom that it doesn't matter how you can be like 16 and have the life experience of a 50 year old person mm-hmm. because of the things that they've been through mm-hmm. and the things that they've seen and they felt and heard, you know, and experienced. And so I think, um, a lot of the times like with parenting my son, there was a lot of things that I feel like he was teaching me, you know, not like he was sitting there teaching me something, but, you know, like just through every day in and out life about just, I can't even think of anything because it's every day. It's something new. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially as he gets older, also learning about him and, you know, who, who is his soul? Who is this person? You know? Um, <clears throat> so just kind of being open to him like to receiving, you know, like maybe he does have some exchange of information for me, but without, how do I explain it? Like not in a way where he's like in a teaching mode because he's not trying. He's right, a kid, right? right? But you're learning. But there are, right. Like there are things that I learn about myself while parenting him. And it's, it's really amazing when those moments happen and I, it feels good. It feels, you know, I'm just, it's fulfilling. What are some of the biggest Um, lessons you've learned as his mother? (laughs) Um, patience. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, self-discipline, you know, those two are the biggest things right now that I'm still really learning. Um, I feel like, um, in like the way that I grew up, you know, I, I say that a lot, but I compare it to the way that I parent because that's what makes me be a better mom, I think. Mm. Um, and so like communication wasn't a very big thing in my household. And, um, that's something that I've learned to practice with myself, communicating with myself, like having a good, a good dialogue, internal dialogue with myself and communicating, you know, positive things to myself, Mm -hmm. which doesn't, is not always like fun. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's really hard sometimes um, because of that lack of just knowledge of knowing how to talk to yourself. Um, So practicing that I've learned that, you know, um, it's something that Anthony like can practice too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think I did, I think I'm doing pretty well with that. He's got a pretty good self-esteem and, um, for the most part, you know, he's pretty confident, but, um, I think like communication and self-discipline you know, learning how not to react. Yeah. And yeah, that's a big one. Yeah. Stopping and like thinking 
about how I'm going to say this to this little person without losing my cool and trying to understand that, you know, this, this person's new to the world. Mm -hmm. They don't get it. And even if you explain it 200 times, you probably got to explain it another 200 times, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and so that requires a lot of patience. And then I I think those two go together, you know, self-discipline and patience. They go hand in hand because, you know, you got to be patient in learning how to discipline yourself um, because it's not just only good for you, but just being a good example and showing him how to, you know, control your emotions and um, feel them and just different areas of your life that that might apply to, you know. Definitely. Yes. These are all big things. And I find that, like you said, it's not that the children are like sitting down and explicitly trying to teach us something. It's just in their very being here, you can't help but learn from them. You know, like the way that you interact with them requires such a shift in energy. At least in my experience, I really, I had to slow down and I'm someone who does not like to take things slow. (laughs) I'm used to fast pace, like always going after the next accomplishment or achievement and just, you know, keep it coming. Cause I like, I like to be stimulated. I like to have engaging conversations. I like to just like feel that energy and baby energy was so different from that, almost completely opposite from that. And so, like you said, learning patience and self-discipline, I can totally relate to that. That has been a huge lesson that honestly, I'm still learning and still practicing. Absolutely. I think it doesn't get better or worse. It's just different, different every single day. Mm -hmm. It's just a new lesson every single day. Like, you know, it took me, it took Anthony uh, a good couple of years to learn how to, to fully be potty trained. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not have accidents. It was this, we just got over this hump and it's okay. You know, like, um, I think that's another thing with parenting too, is like the, in, in the, in, in regards to, I don't know why this came up, but in regards to like the development of our children, mm-hmm. um, sometimes we feel like, Oh, like he's so behind, you know, like he's supposed to be doing this. I mean, I guess there is, um, like, I guess you would know, like when there's a reason to be concerned Mm -hmm. as far as development, but you know, if your baby is 14 months and he's still learning how to walk, I think that's okay. You know, he's trying and, he hasn't yet mastered it. I think that that's okay. And that requires patience and that requires self-discipline to be like, you know, this is, he's growing at his own pace and learning at his own pace. And I have to be patient with that. Mm-hmm. And, and that, you know, that, I don't know, that's something that I had to learn too. Like, I see that sometimes with some moms, like, not that it's a bad thing. It's just, be patient with your baby, be patient with the development of your child Mm -hmm. and keep nurturing it, you know? Definitely. And so as you were navigating through motherhood, were you eventually able to create or find a community that you could relate to and um, feel supported by? Um, You know, little by little, I feel, um, 
I moved around a lot because I was also facing homelessness mm. as a young mom too. Um, so I was moving around a lot. So I feel like I developed a small community of people that were supportive of me, support, supportive. Mm -hmm. um, and I just kind of kept in contact with them. And sometimes when I was jumping around, I would go to, I would go and be with the people that I felt supported by. And um, I guess what I mean by that is like family, my family. Mm -hmm. um, it was really hard for me to like be around my family because I was struggling and I felt like everybody was criticizing me instead of trying to help me. Mm -hmm. So I kind of pulled away and I started like, I left, I left California. I started living my own life and doing my own thing. And I felt like that was one of the biggest things I did and it was really hard, but I feel like that's the only way I was going to heal from the things that were not making me feel good, mm -hmm. you know? And, uh, I moved to Texas when I was 19 and I stayed over there for about a year and I tried to do it by myself and it was tough, but that time that I had to myself, like it was healing. And I realized like, you know, this feels good. Getting away from the source of my wounds mm -hmm. was a huge step in healing myself and rediscovering who I was as a person and as a mom. And, um, I started traveling. I started homeschooling Anthony. I started traveling. Um, and again, I had people in my family who were very, um, um, mean and criticizing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but I had to keep, I had to keep going because my kid depended on me. Hmm. Yeah. So how did you eventually start looking into birth work? I started looking into birth work after I got married mm -hmm. uh, with my partner. Um, because we were like uh, looking into having a baby. And so I started looking that up and we were having complications. But I found out about doulas and I was like, wow, this is really cool. Maybe this is this is what I should do. I started feeling like I should be a doula rather than hiring mm. one. Um, so I started looking into it and uh, we were living in North Carolina at the time. So we were kind of like more towards like rural area. Mm -hmm. And so there wasn't like any trainings around me or any doulas really in the community where I was. So I'm like, I think this is a perfect opportunity um, to to help, you know, the families in this community. And we ended up moving. Um, but before I moved, I found a training that was happening in New York. So that was only a road trip to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I saved up for that and I attended my first training with the Matrona in New York and it was my first time ever up there. So it was just a, a really awesome experience. It was during the winter time mm. and it was like one of the first times I've ever seen snow. So it was really, Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was just perfect. It was so nice of an experience. I learned so much. It was like, it was such a, an awakening moment, like this training as well. Like it woke me up to this work and I felt so called to do it. 
And I started talking to my mom about it. And I, I, I started having doubts, you know, because I'm like, Oh, what if I can't do it? You know, like I started doubting myself and I was like, I don't know, like if I want to do this. And I started telling my mom about it. And my mom was like, you know, you know who used to do this kind of stuff? She was your great grandma in Cuba. She was like a midwife's apprentice. Wow. I was like, really? Wow. She's like, yeah, she used to be there for the births, like, and help out in, in Cuba, you know, in those times, like when women weren't allowed to do much even now, you know, mm-hmm. but, um, I just, that was like a confirmation for me when she told me that I was like, okay, my ancestors are saying that I need to do this. Mm-hmm. So this is what we're going to do. So I started and I started, and I learned a lot about life and myself and, and motherhood, like with doula mm-hmm. work as well. So I'm just so grateful that I got into it. And, um, I'm just trying to be like, this is what keeps me going in my work is like trying to be that support person that I needed when, when I was becoming a mom, Mm -hmm. you know? And, um, that's really what pushes me to do, do the work. It's being that person that I needed. Mm. It's so necessary. Mm -hmm. And so such a resource to the birthing community for sure. I'm also curious because I personally have not, witnessed another birth other than my own, which is very different from like being in the room when someone else is giving birth. So what is that like mm-hmm. for you? What is it like to, to help usher women through the labor and delivery and into motherhood? Well, first I would say, I, I feel like it's not me mm-hmm. and, um, it's the most, it's just like such a sacred and it's such an honor, like for that family to even consider me being there. And that's the way that I approach it as like that sacred and beautiful, like moment of not just motherhood, but of, of mm-hmm. life, you know, and the, and the creation of a family and, and seeing that, that beautiful bond you know, that's just, it's so fulfilling to me, like to see, especially when, you know, sometimes we go through those little, sometimes during a birth, there's, we, we go through things and that are scary sometimes or frightening or, um, for some people traumatic, but being able to, to be a vessel, because that's how I see do the work is like, it's not me. I try to remove myself and my feelings and my thoughts and my everything. I I remove myself because this is not about me. Mm. It's about this family and about this mom and, you know, this, this baby. And it's really important for me to see it that way because, you know, if I don't, then I, I bring in my, my feelings about my birth and how I wanted it to Mm -hmm. be, you know, and that's not what others want all the time. So, you know, removing myself is something that is really important and, you know, being there for another woman is so empowering, like not just for her, but for me too, because I feel like, it's something that people are like, oh, doulas are a new thing, and they're really not. No. It feels so 
ancient when I do it. It feels like I'm with all the all the grandmothers like who used to do this. They're with me helping me do this. And I just I can feel like the empowerment. Like that's the biggest thing and and just being able to be a witness and just being another another person present in the mm-hmm. room and holding that space for this creation of family is is beyond an honor and i love when i leave a birth and i i feel like physically i'm dead i am done i'm ready for a bath and food mm-hmm. and sleep but inside i feel so warm and happy to know that you know mom is okay baby is okay and they they did it they did it like they're a family now and that is just fulfilling to me when they look me in my face and they're like thank you thank you so much Mm -hmm. and I feel like that really does have a huge impact in the way that moms take care of their babies because if we nurture moms then moms can nurture their children, mm. you know, because maybe at one point that mom never really felt any type of nurturing in her life, like whether it was with her mom or maybe with her partner or who knows, maybe she just, she just needed it at that moment, you know, but trying to provide like that, that nurturing, you know, energy and just being there and in the moment and being present is just, it's, it's not the same mm-hmm. every time um, because every woman is different and every birth is different. And that's the beautiful part of it, you know, that you get to see how, like, for example, um, when my niece was born, um, there was certain things that my sister said and, um, to a lot of people, it was funny, you know, in the room, but later on you, you see how like my, my niece is 15 years old mm-hmm. now and she's very, very like the way that she talks, there's just, I just notice I, I can't explain it. Like I notice there's things that there's people like there's a way that people are and it's so easy to see that like and to compare it when the day that they were born, like if mm. you see them, like when they're born and then later on in life, I know what you mean. There's like, this, right. It's something like that you can connect. I can't explain that. And, um, but I think it's, it's a really beautiful thing to see like someone be born and then you see them later on in life and you're like, wow, you know, that's how you were when you were a baby. But now like, it's just a beautiful thing to be there for another person's birth. It's, um, sometimes it's sh- a shock. Mm. Like I remember the first time as an adult being mm-hmm. there, it was, it happened really fast. This mom was having her fifth baby. I mean, what could I tell her? <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like I, I didn't have any advice or I like, ex- what, what can I tell you? You know, I'm probably going to learn something from you if anything. Um, so it happened so fast. I didn't like before the doctors came, the baby's head was out. And, and I'm like, I'm not going to catch your baby, but just don't like stop pushing. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, you can catch your baby real quick before the nurse gets here. 
<laughs> um, so it was like shocking, you know, but there's times where some births just take some, some more time and there goes the self-discipline and the patience yes. again, you know? And so you mentioned before, and I was in agreement with you that doulas are not a new thing, but for those who are not familiar with what doulas do, would you mind sharing more about what a, a doula's role is? Absolutely. Um, so nowadays I think we have, there's a lot of different doulas mm -hmm. now. And I think the word doula has become, um, it's used, I think it's like a Greek word that's used, uh, that means woman servant, mm -hmm. I believe. Um, or kind of like it was a, it was used in a bad way back then. Um, but for, Today, we use it as a term to describe a woman who is there for a, another woman or a birthing family um, who, you know, provides emotional support, physical support, um, information, resources, education about birth and pregnancy um, and postpartum and breastfeeding um, about baby care infant care, different things. So there's the different doulas that there are. I believe there's birth doulas. So those doulas attend births and help with, you know, the birth experience. Mm -hmm. And then you have postpartum doulas who help with moms and families after the baby's born. Um, you know, just being that extra hand around the house or just helping with mom and the baby and her recovery and bonding and stuff like that. Um, and then there's also like abortion doulas, you know, like you have doulas who, you know, provide information about abortions and help with that and support you and accompany you for that experience as well. Um, and then you have um, bereavement, bereavement, I can't really mm -hmm. say that word, um, um, doulas, you know, for women who experience um you know, loss, um, in their pregnancies, um, to go through that experience and have that emotional support. So basically it's like a pregnant person's best, best friend, mm. <laughs> kind of how I like to see it. Yeah. Um, you know, um, being there for that person, being there for that woman, um, and empowering her and reminding her of her strength and what her body is capable mm -hmm. of, you know, um, being there during the birth experience and from, because a lot of people during painful moments, you know, you forget, you know, why you want to have a natural birth. Mm -hmm. And it's so easy to just get sucked into the pain and, and be like, Oh, I just want an epidural, you know, and a lot of, you know, there's been a lot of complications with epidurals not saying that there's not a, there's not women that can have successful epidural mm -hmm. births, but um, a lot of evidence has shown that you know sometimes epidurals slow down labor and stuff like that. So you know having a doula is just amazing. Like they can really help you achieve your birth goals for the most part. You know sometimes the body does what it has to do and we have to go with the flow. And if that means having a C-section is going to be the 
safest thing for you and baby, then, you know, sometimes that's what th- things got to happen mm-hmm. that way. Um, but um, I love like helping families that, you know, are ready to, you know, take over their birth. And, you know, if it's important to know if you need extra support. And so if there's people who are getting doulas because of that, that's awesome. For whatever reason you're getting a doula, Mm -hmm. that's awesome. But yeah, that's basically what we do in a nutshell. Hmm. And what's the most important thing that a birthing woman can keep in mind as she is preparing to deliver her baby? Yeah. Um, I would say to not forget that, you know, your body was made to do this. You know, that back in the day, like women used to help other women all the time. Women used to birth all the time without surgeons, without, you know, um, a lot of intervention Mm -hmm. and they did well, they did just fine. Um, and that's, I like to remind my, my mom sometimes like, Hey, your mom did this. Your grandma did this. Your aunt did it. You, you can do it too. You know, like motherhood is, is it's new at first, but it's such an old, you know, um, what is it? What is it? I don't know. What is motherhood? Like it's an old and ancient, you know, experience. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's different for everyone, but I would say just don't forget who you are in the process. Mm. You know? Yes. Don't forget who you are in like so many different levels. And how can women hold on to who they are? Because I remember going through labor and there's a lot kind of happening all at once, like emotionally, mentally, physically. Mm -hmm. So what are some good tips to to help women to hold on to who they are as they might be approaching the birthing experience? Um, Well, depending on like, would you say like during, during birth, like Mm -hmm. um, bring something that bring something with you that makes you feel like you, you know, whether it be like your slippers mm-hmm. or your robe, you know, or your favorite pillow. Like if you're going to have a hospital birth, bring something from home that makes you feel like you bring your makeup. If you want to put makeup on during, during labor, do it. You know, some people want to paint their nails. That's fine. You know, do something that makes you feel like you, like this is my moment before the baby comes. Like, I know moms who go and get their hair done before they have a baby, you know, and I know some moms who don't want to, don't want to do anything. They just, you know, they're like, I just want to have this baby. So just remember that, you know, your body is, is capable and that you're strong and you can do it. Um, so bring something that makes you feel like you do something that makes you feel like you, you know, dance Mm -hmm. if you have to. Um, have your last dance before a baby comes. I like that. Um, yeah. Do something with your partner. If, if your partner is still, you know, present, um, or involved, you know, do something with them or whoever's there supporting you. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, that's what I re- would recommend. Thank you for that. And 
as we come full circle here, where can people stay in contact with you and, and learn more about the work that you do? Absolutely. So um, I actually have my um, Instagram, my business Instagram, which is underscore mother Luna underscore. And I also, my website is linked to the um, Instagram and it's motherluna.info. Okay. Um, and um, go to my website, find some more information about um, the services that I offer, how I do um, birth, how I do birth doulaing work and uh yeah see if that resonates with you perfect thank you so much marilyn this was such an enlightening conversation absolutely thank you so much for having me i appreciate um you know being i think it it takes a lot of vulnerability to have these conversations about you know our experiences and motherhood and it's, but it's important because that's how we learn from each other. And like they say, it does take a village, you know? Mm-hmm. Thank you for your courage and thank you for sharing your experience. And that's it for this episode of Young Honest Mother, the podcast, which means it's time for you to join the conversation. Share your thoughts on social media and tag me at Young Honest Mother. And then pass this episode along to friends and family who need to know that they're not alone on this journey either. Until next time, I'm your host, Maurice Young.